everybody, and welcome to the Daft Souls podcast. It's episode 65, Man, Men Alive. I'm Quinton Smith, and I'm here with two men, Matt Lees. Hello. And Joe Scrabbles. Hello. Gentlemen, what have you been playing? Oh, Christ, that was quick. I'm Well, the thing is, Matt gave me a chance to do the intro. I didn't want to screw it up. That's fair. Had to be in there. Roll straight in. Out again. So I'll see you later. Yeah? Okay, so we it in a bar, then uh, bring out drinks on a tray, and then you can't get past people in the bar... And he's spooned the drinks. What have you been playing, Joe? Oh, cry. I was going to jump on that. <laughs> I was going to riff. Um, uh, well, I've been play- I've played through Pony Island, but I think we came to a decision that that's not worth talking about because it's one of those games that you can spoil. You can... Uh, I mean, I've played it for about uh, half an hour, maybe yeah. slightly more. Did you enjoy it? Uh, I enjoyed it as a weird experience that is a game, but I didn't enjoy it as a game. Like, it's actual... The, the two chunks of repeated game elements in it are really boring yeah and sort of determinedly so yeah. I haven't played it and I'm already annoyed by this sort of yeah. circumlocuitous no I'm just interested because I played it for about half an hour 40 minutes had a lot of people saying really excited things yeah. about it I played it and it was like it's kind of fun um, but it's kind of a bit silly and hammy and so, I wasn't really blown away by it yeah. I just sort of thought okay this I is will, fun I will say that the hamminess gets it gets less porksome as it goes on. Like it's it's a more it's a more interesting story than it's sort of quite hackneyed setup. Sure, gives sure. away. And there's one really weird subplot that I'm sure will be talked about by people on Reddit, um, and that's kind of cool. Um, but it's basically the thing that most interests me about Pony Island is the fact that. We now live in a world where there's a post-Frog Fractions genre. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That's a thing that's I think happened. That, uh, there's a point I saw, because it's obviously, it's the idea is it's called Pony Island, and the idea is, oh, it's a fun game, Pony Island, mm. fun kind of girls game, but then it isn't, it's something else, it's something different. You've yep. kind of worked that already. But I love, there's a great point made by Laura Hudson of uh, Offworld, mm. um, who said basically, I kind of was a bit, it's a shame it wasn't actually kind of a really well-observed, like, kind of thing about... Uh, casual games made for girls and I'm like yeah, yes I would have preferred that yeah. also half the problem if you're gonna you know if you're gonna take it in a sort of what is it demonstrating to us about games thing which I'm not sure it deserves or no, I don't is the is. point anyway but it's presented as if it's an arcade game and it doesn't play like an arcade game which actually does bother me a bit as I was playing it I was going this is like you would never find this in an arcade, this kind of thing. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. So you guys are saying that it was working from a palette that it then didn't use fully. Yeah, it's like... I don't even know what you'd call it. It kind of it's feels sort of, like light throwaway fun rather than having that kind of cleverness and that that persistence of idea, you know? I love that when you get these mad projects where you just go, oh my God, they've." it's that kind of that mad... Uh, insistence that everything has to be just right, which ends up making these kind of strange mm. side projects and stuff like the Beginner's Guide, like it or loathe it. You know, it has. Who loathes the Beginner's Guide? No, some people do. Some people just think, oh, I can't be asked. Oh, I'm sure they do. I just twaddle. And I think. I am pretentious enough that those people are below my consideration. <laughs> <laughs> I had a horrible thing. I went to a party in, when I was in Vancouver recently, and you guys were doing the Daft Souls cast without me, and that was awesome. But I went to a party and uh, I played the Beginner's Guide. 
And then in that in the evening, uh, my fiance was like, "Oh, hey, this is Davy. Do you want to meet him?" And I'm like, "Oh, sorry, I'm having a really interesting conversation." The next morning, <laughs> oh no, I was like, "Wait, Davy? Could you not have called him Mr. Regent? Yeah, <laughs> God <laughs> damn it!" So I I had the opportunity to talk to the developer of the Beginner's Guide, and instead he talked to my fiance for like two hours, and I'm like, "Oh, they're having a really interesting conversation. Mm. Wonder what about?" <laughs> anyway, board games or whatever the hell that I was talking about. That would spoil the mystique anyway. It's yeah. always best to leave it, yeah. but. He was very, 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 very nice. I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is. Uh, but yeah, no, interesting games. But it's one of those things where it seemed to get a similar reception as a kind of arty game. And I played it for a bit and thought, nah, this is just silly fun, which is fine. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Absolutely fine. Tell you what, I did play a game that was perhaps a bit more successful than Silly Fun, a similar kind of uh, times game. I played Sybil, uh, the Nina Freeman game about. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, if people haven't heard of this, this is a, uh, I think it's like 750 or a fiver on Steam. It is an autobiographical game by designer Nina Freeman, and it tracks her experience playing an MMO and falling for a boy in an MMO. Sure. So it's kind of like her story in as much as it's a falsified desktop. Uh, through which you're interacting with the game, uh, except it's a desktop covered in, like... Uh, Nina has, like, very strong tastes for, like, um, sort of uh, cutie stuff and anime. Uh, I don't think she'd have a problem with me saying that. And this is the weird thing, because I'm not talking about a game. I'm not talking about a protagonist. I'm talking about a person. Yeah. So it's odd to me to make statements on a game, which are also statements on Nina's character. Yeah, because it's, it's strange. I saw a bit... I looked it up a bit, and it's biographical, right? So it's a, it's an actual story of her played... Autobiographical, because Auto- it's yes, about her, made by her. I got them mixed up. I Sure. Which was which? Um, I, I assume. I always think my brain goes autobiography because it's like auto because somebody else does it for you. It's automatically made that would make by more the sense. system. Uh, but yeah, it's this thing of like I watched it and it was kind of strange because it's her. Largely, lots of it is actually live action video. Mm. Not lots of it. Like a like a oh. PSX game, your reward for finishing a world is a brief stint in live saw, action video. I saw some of those in a video review, and it was this thing of being like. I don't know. It seems a bit strange. It's like her playing herself at yep. a younger age. Yeah. And um, I just, I just kind of felt like the acting was was really bad. Oh no, the acting isn't bad. Really? Uh, no, I don't <clears> think <throat> so. Uh, no, well, at least I certainly didn't get that vibe from it. I'm not. Well, maybe it was kind of. I can't wrong. remember. It was just. Something I would about play it. the maybe game. The production values weren't quite right for the video because I'm a video asshole now. <laughs> <laughs> that is maybe more likely. I mean, hmm. I I didn't see that criticism float around a lot, and I would maybe get you to play it because it doesn't take more than like half an hour. Sure. Um, but it is interesting, and I did find myself affected by it in ways that were kind of unusual. I mean, the plot is that she's playing Final Fantasy, and the most interesting thing it did, I think, is that you can kind of click around her desktop and see like selfies or her diary which is her real diary or her blog posts which are her real blog posts and then the game kind of jumps like maybe a month forward and then you log onto the game eagerly to talk to your quasi boyfriend and find out where you're at by listening to these uh, conversations and her boyfriend is played by because they're voice chatting her current real boyfriend (sighs) hashtag orcs it's super awkward (laughs) not least because towards the end of the game there's there's a sort of half sex scene which is her and her existing boyfriend playing her ex not even her ex really but I mean if you want to find out how this awkward sort of thing resolves itself I would happily recommend playing Sybil it was successful at what it did oh it's like that um, what was the name of the band that came and did a, um, a follow up the guy from Death Cab for Cutie who did that album Give Up oh uh, the Postal Service yeah the Postal Service had a song about like getting together with your ex and like filming it as if you're still together and in love and kissing and I was like remember listening to that song going this is awkward <laughs> <laughs> but this is actually that in real life yeah. sort of but yeah uh, 
you know what, Matt? If you play Sybil, you're going to think it is awkward. But also, I think you'll have other feelings. I don't know. I, I, let's say I looked up some of the stuff and I just found like the... Even just the the the, the kind of quality of the, the video stuff just made me feel really awkward. Dude, the video like, stuff is like 1% of it. Oh, I know, I know. But it's the human part. It's the part that, in my mind, like would stick with me somehow well it is it's interesting it could have it is a return to FMV gaming in a way sure especially because they do arrive at the end of each world so I mean it's kind of a funny throwback I just think it's interesting and it makes me think of uh, Simon Amstel's uh, grandma's house you ever seen that yeah TV show yeah what I love about that is Simon Amstel is not a good actor uh, but it works because it becomes this thing of him playing himself um, but you kind of get he's not playing himself very well but all of the people around him playing his family are playing his family as characters impeccably they're all amazing <laughs> actors so it kind of becomes this fourth wall breaking joke that it's him playing a version of himself from the past but in a kind of slightly pantomime way and it just becomes genius and I just sort of think like I don't know it felt to me that maybe it was an idea that um, could have better used its its, its uh, I don't know like, maybe maybe uh, did you guys catch Simon Amstel's performance yes I was going to actually seg into that it's brilliant what what is this I haven't talked about this yet but it's um, Dr oh Dr Langstrom and uh, and um, the, 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 the tiger wonderful. and the cursed gem the oh wait is this the other, the other Stanley Parable guys yes William Pugh which, who is half of the Stanley let's Parable let's take away all of these words that we're trying to do and just replace them with three words yeah. the same word it's by crows 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 who are a new studio, which is, uh, yeah, yep, it's, William Pugh. It's William Pugh, who's half the uh, sort of... Jack Vandercourt, is it? Jack Vandercourt. I can't do his I name. Can't. He sorry. was one of the two designers from To The Moon. Yes. Uh, which, hmm. So obviously that's quite a good pedigree. Funny thing about playing um, Crows, Crows, Crows' new game, The Glorious Heist of whatever the hell. Search for Heist on Steam. It's free. Come up. It's free it on Steam. It is free. If you go to Crows, 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 <laughs> if you look for that... You'd just like to say that. Well, no, it's way easier to Google than the Professor or the, the Heist game just do that and then you'll find the name for the game then you can get it on Steam for free it takes 20 minutes it's voiced by Simon Amstel it's very clever and do try and get all the gems because that's how you get the good ending absolutely the tiger is really frustrating um, I actually like completely almost gave up because trying to get past the tiger is just a nightmare yeah but do persevere with it because when you get to the end of the heist it's really it's really good it's fantastic what I found really interesting about it and this is the reason you should definitely play it Joe Going is to. if you play the Stanley Parable and then um, uh, heist game whose name we can't remember Crows 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 game <laughs> thanks um, you can see uh, kind of what he gave to the Stanley Parable yeah. and then you play the beginner's huh. guide yeah. So, yeah, sorry yeah play the beginner's guide and also Crows 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 game and you see exactly where how that came half to be. of the Stanley Parable Really came weird. from it's fascinating that's like music it's it very is cool, and it's yeah. like cutting a cake in half you really can see the two halves quite um, substantially because William Pugh's side of it is very much like flippant whimsy fun mm. and it's funny and there's a lot of really funny visual jokes in simple things um, that are just lovely like there's lots of like simple written jokes lots of visual jokes lots of tiny things which you will walk past and actually if you examine again it's almost like uh, it's hard to describe it's like kind of abstract puns almost you hmm. realise like a combination of objects next to each other is in itself a joke it's like rammed full of humour and yeah like Simon Amstel does a fantastic job narrating the whole thing hmm. it doesn't outstay its welcome and yeah it's kind of it's frustrating because it's like you can't really talk about it much um, but it does actually but it's free so. it's free so you can just play it <laughs> this point applies to all the games we've talked about already and is something I've already said on a previous podcast the one with Andy Kelly and Else Heartbreak but there is a really interesting thing to be written about people making games about games or this or how you make games or the systems on which you play games sure. because 
games that involve desktops, games that involve hacking, games that involve comments on games. It's all of this stuff has just come out seemingly in the last year. Well, and yeah. it's really interesting. Like I, I it, it's almost as if the audience is now at the point where they can see beyond the artifice of what's presented to them. Yeah. And therefore they can understand any jokes or comments being made on it. Yeah, I do wonder though that, uh, I mean, all those games you mentioned, I'm not sure any of them necessarily would have been profitable. Like, no. Because Else Heartbreak certainly was like a sort of labour of love and I yeah. don't think that would have broken even, not least because the amount of people working on it. And then what else did you mention? Well, then there was Sybil. Um, Sybil um, sure did well. Stanley story. Parable did well and her story. Yeah, okay. no. Yeah. And then there's... Well, and then you've got things like uh, coming up, like well, is it out Quadrilateral Cowboy, which is about oh, yeah. hacking as well, a thing? And Brendan Chung's made a few games about sort of yeah. hacking and stuff. It's just really interesting. It's postmodernism in it. Yeah, I don't really know what that word means, but I'm ninety percent. I did a, <laughs> I did a dissertation on it, and I did don't you? fucking know. Okay, good. <laughs> Nobody knows. It's impossible. That's the right. point. I think also but, that a lot of that does come down to democratization of tools, mm. and the fact that it used to be like five years ago, making a game about making games. Like the only people who know that are people who work for studios or you know. Like, yeah. Now it's like it, it, it amazes me when you look on 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 Twitter or whatever, just seeing how many people are playing around, how many people are trying stuff, how mm. many people like uh, are failing. But it doesn't matter because everyone's like, you've got like Unity and you've got Game Maker, and people are just toying around. And it's this great thing of now. In the same way, we have lots of like fun, interesting music, musicians' music, mm. like the people who sit and go, "Oh, this is great," because they understand music, they understand why this is interesting. Yeah, there's now like a wider amount of people making things, so you can have more niche projects which are kind of for insiders because the group of insiders in the same way with music it's anyone who's got a guitar which is almost anyone mm-hmm. now it's like it's not there but it's getting there mm. sure sure I will say that like it's not I'm not necessarily saying this is a brilliant thing the whole time because no. I played El's Heartbreak for three hours and thought it was amazing when it was like Bell and Sebastian making Majora's Mask <laughs> but then <laughs> but then as soon as the hacking came in I felt overawed and just went I'll do this later and haven't gone back to it because it's too much. I like I'm not good enough. At I it. didn't like Else Heartbreak at no? all. No, I thought it. I thought it was actually uninteresting, interesting. and never gave That's me a reason interesting to be too. interested. Well, I'm glad. Yeah, yeah I, I felt that there was no individual element that was able to grab me. Yeah. aside from the visuals, and it was a game I felt that you had to want to like. Uh, yeah, no, I think that's definitely true. Uh, you have to walk into an area with no direction and poor writing and go, ah, oh, but this is great because I'm... I'm feeling... not sure poor writing's no, I think I absolutely do. Yeah. I I was looking... Of the 14 people that made it, none of them are a writer, and I, hmm. I, know, I could have sworn that before checking. Yeah, um, I thought it was... I don't know, I found it kind of strangely... I, I didn't actually play much for it because I just got busy with other stuff, but... Uh, I found it strangely enchanting in a little, in a weird way. I think it was the fact that it, it has like lots of just weird things, like the fact they all have like purple noses and stuff. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, there were just yeah. enough elements there like, that have me feeling like, and also because it has so much stuff in it, which is very much like kind of uh, Swedish or Danish culture, like things like yeah. snus and everyone's smoking. Constantly. And I like mm. that, but how long did you play it for? Well, as I say, I just got busy, and I don't think that's a fair. Like, I don't think that's. All, I get what you mean, but there are some things I wander away from because I just don't. They don't grab me, and there are some things I wander away from just because I suddenly go, "Oh, actually, I've got loads of work." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, and that's that's you know, and the time. In fact, yeah, annoyingly, actually, the thing I've been playing a lot of this week is Punch Punch Club. Oh, it's bad. It's just like one of those things that you get sucked into, and it's like I just I got sucked into it. Yeah, it's it's. 
It's house. horrendously addictive. You know about Punch Club? Jam? I do not. This is a new Steam release from uh, Tiny Build. Yeah, right? I mean, like it's just actually, I, I for, for balance, I'll say that a game I played a Tiny Build game over Christmas with my brother uh, called Speedrunners, which is just oh, Speedrunners. Uh, yeah, Speedrunners like is really fun, and we were just playing it two player, but it was you know, my brother just shouting constantly, going, "Hey, bastard!" And you know, to the point that my dad was watching over our shoulder, genuinely trying to work out what was going on because he couldn't understand why we were shouting so yeah. much. I reckon we can skip discussion of punch drunk and punch drunk punch club and go straight to what is basically punch club but good which is disgaea disgaea 5 is a game i've been playing uh recently it's ps4 release came out last year and it's good christ i don't know how to describe it so joe Mm. matt and i have both played disgaea so you're our test balloon okay uh you need to inform us you need to ask questions when stuff doesn't make sense i'll tell you the moment i pop uh yes in any respect in terms of excitement or sadness or confusion uh disgaea is a japanese game um what's the name mean i don't know okay that's my sorry disgaea uh and it is a game where you control a sort of group of demons and in disgaea 5 Mm -hmm. the plot is that there are big bad demons taking over all the nether worlds and you have to fight back Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a tactics game like um XCOM or sweet or um uh vandal hearts is like the closest um final fantasy tactics there okay yeah um and you've got your team uh and ooh, where to begin you can tweak everything yeah so if i drop you in at the deep end okay uh, you you've got all your stuff you can equip let's say you've got uh matt lee's the mage yep and you've designed him and you created him and that's all cool what a guy i create that guy you definitely uh mm. so uh <laughs> he has a staff and the staff's really good mm. and then you think i've got an hour to kill and you go to a member of your netherworld and go can you make um i'd like to enter this staff and it randomly generates you a dungeon based on Matt's staff, which is, like any tactics game, one of a, th- a million different items in the game. Yeah. Okay. And, and you every can- level you go down, so it's like a dungeon, mm-hmm. like Diablo style, every level you go down, it adds a level to the item, which means you've got this great sword, and then you make it better by going down... 50 little short levels. Is this a gamble? As in, if you died in one of no, them, you lose that? No, okay. it's not. It is grinding and... It's grinding, but the reins are given to you. It's, yeah. it's grinding, but with the bizarre idea of, like, not grinding as gatekeeping, but grinding as if can a player wants asked? to grind anything they can. Huh. Any character can be leveled up. Any item can be ground into stuff. There is a feature whereby you can call a council of demons and say, right, this character, I'd love it if he gained experience twice as fast. Mm. And then you have to bribe counselors and in a similar way to Earth's Heartbreak, you can break the game in any fashion you want. You're like, what if this guy's attack was 800? And they'll, and then if you have enough sway with the council, they'll be like, yeah, okay. Yeah, well, that makes sense. And it massively <laughs> breaks the game, but that's okay, because that's what you wanted, and it's what you asked for. Wow. They must have got better at it as well, because the one I played, I played this guy too a long time ago on the PSP, um, back when I realised that suddenly handhelds are kind of fundamentally always bad and always doomed to fail, but always fantastic if you really want to get your teeth in something very large and very Japanese. Mm. Um, but yeah, I just lost myself to it for, for days. I was on holiday in uh, Tenerife, I think, and my, my ex from many years ago, she was out in the sun sunbathing and swimming and I was just in the shade playing <laughs> this guy. And she Being actually cool got, she got sunstroke and I had to like uh, uh, spend hours her, right? like, putting like wet towels over it to just get this incredible heat just it was unbelievable but I was just I didn't yeah it was like 
Good for me. But you leveled up a lot of men and women that day. I did. It's, it's like an endless... And it is one of these things where it is it is like staring into a crystal from a children's TV. Like It's like dark crystal shit. Like, sooner or later, you just start... You suddenly just have this moment where you go, I've got to stop! Because yeah. Like, no, I had that. Oh, my God. I had a moment where... This was... So I'm doing a disguise video this week on Cool Ghosts, and it should be a lot of fun. I don't want to spoil it too much. But I had a moment where... I finished playing and I went, okay, that's enough. Turned off the PS4. Had that thing where your body's been still enough for a while that when you stand up, it feels like you're made of like crap rubber. And then uh, I was like, okay. And then I had a realization, Joe, because I realized to unlock the uh, professor in the pirate subclass, Obviously. you need to level up a maid subclass enough as well as other subclasses. But I had those other subclasses, but I couldn't be bothered to level up a maid. Right. Then I realized I could call a council meeting and set the subclass of my protagonist to maid. And so he's a he warrior maid. Highest. So he will slowly level up the maid. Yeah, he'll. Yeah. And then, so without doing any extra work, I'm leveling up something extra in the background. And that will slowly let me unlock Pirate. Do I want Pirate? I don't know. But it was a sort of smoothing of my engine. It's like your party. That's, you know, you said you've played Armored Core before we started yes. recording this, right? You know how Armored Core is a game where you tweak your robot? You go on a level and you go. Mm, that right arm could aim a bit faster and you have to go in there and change the gears and then you go mad. Uh, Disgaea is that, but rather than uh, you levelling up a group to try and complete a level, Mm. um, you're going to complete levels because if they ever get too hard, there's a million other levels, quite literally, that you could do. So instead, you're levelling up and you're grinding and all you're doing is like tweaking your car and your car is your group of warriors. Mm. You're going... I could get through this level a bit faster if I just changed this variable from two to four. And then, oh, that's great. Look at that. Now, oh, it's amazing. Oh, what about this guy? I'll tweak. It's a, it, and it's like Al's Heartbreak. It's like coding. But Yeah, I was going to say, this sounds like just hacking a player's enjoyment. Yeah, but all given a thematic wrapper. So you're yeah. not tweaking a variable. You're calling a council meeting. You're not saying, I want this sword to be better. You are going into it and into the metaverse inside that. It's Doctor Who as a tactics game with all the... And the writing, I don't know now, but the writing was always a lot of fun in the earlier ones, of it kind of being a bit knowingly breaking the fourth wall and knowingly poking fun at what you were doing and Hmm. all sorts of things. And it's kind of in on the joke, but it reminded me a lot of Monster Hunter and the fact that like you kind of have this... By giving you, rather than being like, well, this is the bottleneck, you're stuck at this point, what are you going to do? You're going to have to grind. Mm. It's just constantly giving you all these different things you could yeah. do. You get stuck into one because you want to do it, and then while you're doing it, a new route pops up, and then you find that you're just like... I find myself with Monster Hunter trying to explain the the, the critical the path of of, uh, of most of my play, and I find it really difficult to remember because it's this thing of being like I remember certain points, like some mad amnesiac who's just like trying to remember their life of being like, well, at one point I was really obsessed with killing this electric unicorn, and I was trying to kill that like thirty times, but then for whatever reason I found something else, and that made me think oh no, I could then go and kill this dragon, so I killed that dragon for a while, but then mm. I found something else, and you have this weird chain of events of like. I'm not really sure how I got here, but I want to be here. <laughs> well, this is the thing. I mean, we've talked about this loads of times because we always talk about Monster Hunter, but the best way I've found of describing how you go through a Monster Hunter game is that every piece of armour you make becomes a map of all the systems that you had to use to get to it. Wow. So, like, so yeah. my favourite armour in that game makes you look like a huge uh, lobster cosplayer, like with gross black lobster eyes on the top of your helmet and big stringy <laughs> antenna. And... That requires you to fish, farm, um, kill like tiny monsters you would usually run by, and like six or seven different pieces of stuff that all require different jobs. And 
it's shit armor. It's awful. <laughs> but I love the fact that it required me to do all those things and then it made me familiar with the game. And it's not a tutorial. Like, this is this was, you know, 15 hours this into is my game. Serious Googling as yeah. well. Yeah. You the, know? And I was just, it's beautiful. Monster Hunter is niche, but it's somehow healthy in a lot of ways. I don't yeah. look back on any of it as unpleasant. It's almost like a sort of the camaraderie and the positivity you get from sports. It's like, yeah, mm. this is going to be hard. It's going to hurt. But you'll feel proud yeah. and you'll be happy and you'll have happy memories. Whereas, this guy, it largely lets you choose. I think that's the thing. It lets you you look at a task and go, no. Well, so Disgaea <laughs> yeah. lets you choose. You know, it's it's far more free even yeah. than Monster Hunter. Except it it's not as healthy. And the example I'd give to that is I unlocked um, uh, a system which is you can explore other netherworlds uh, through ships. You can put playable characters into ships and go, okay, you know, you just go off and you level off, you level up by yourself. Mm. And you can actually open your menu and see them losing health as they have hypothetical fights. And they're getting items and they're gaining experience and unlocking skills. That's awesome, right? But when I unlocked this feature, I went, oh, thank God, because I've got like eight dudes who I hate, but I have to level them up. Why did I have to level them up? Mm. There was no reason, but I needed to. Mm. And that's why the ships are there. It's why the game has this feature, but that's not healthy it's the real danger of letting you see the strings I had the same uh, similar thing with uh, Xenoblade Chronicles X which lots of people were raving about and I started playing it and I got I got quite into it and I'm quite good at these games I'm quite good at the optimization that comes with them and uh, I got really into it but then I had this realisation of being like well hang on a minute I hate the cutscenes I hate the characters I hate the story I'm just actually skipping the story which is something I never ever do mm-hmm. with like anything I like. I might half watch it, but I won't skip cutscenes. Come on, that's rude. Um, <laughs> but I am. I'm skipping them unless they are clearly about the main story, and you can kind of tell. Um, and then it's like, well, I like exploring the world, but then you realise it's like actually exploring the world is fun. But then you just see like you know you see big enemies the first time, and then you just you've seen them for a while. So where and did then... the positivity come from from the press? Well, I don't know. But it's kind of this thing of like the combat is kind of fun in a satisfying way. And the fact that what you're doing is basically rhythm action of it being like you've got a lot going on. It's kind of fun actually. And being like you have like you choose your order of skills. And that's like World of Warcraft of being like use the right skills in the right order. But then in between, it'll be like one of your characters with you will have done something which has staggered the enemy. So now it's like, oh, use one of these skills. They'll flash. Mm. So you have this, this, this rhythm of typing in the right code like you have in World of Warcraft. Great. With, oh, now press this. And you go, okay. And it's literally just left, right, center, like just tapping the right things on the menu. And it's fun. But that's the only thing that's fun, really. In the entire um, game. And the rest of the game. And the thing that actually killed it for me, actually, was a, a, a moment where I started to realize, I was like, oh, man, this is just World of Warcraft. And the fact that I realized that the game was gated by levels quite heavily. And the best way to level up was not to go and explore the world and do what you want and do what you want at your own pace, which is what Explosion Games should be about, was to find areas with enemies that were exactly two levels above you and then killing those was easy to kill and gave you loads of experience whereas anything like not that a level higher too hard to kill a levels lower less experience takes a while and it's just like man i remember this i've done this i've been here i've been to azeroth i've 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 ignored a world of exploration because i've learned how to game the system and i've stopped having these moments of wonder looking over a beautiful mountain and i started going i'm going to this graveyard in this area because the levels the enemies there are level 43 yeah it's whatever exactly you want to say about want. monster hunter it gives you all the numbers on your character that you can tweak but it never shows you a number to do with a monster no it's all about feel which is great it's the best but we've, you and I have talked about weird Japanese obsessions, Matt. Now Joe's here, I want to ask you about Dynasty Warriors. Okay. I want to know 
why you tweeted recently saying that you've been listening to the Dynasty Warriors 3 soundtrack. Oh, yeah. What generation is that? Uh, that was PS2. And you were... So you would have uh, Maybe been... 11? Painter Picture. 11 pic- or 12. Wow, Painter Picture. What's happening in the Scrabbles household? Uh, so me and my friend Ollie are sitting on my living room floor because there's no sofa that we can move easily enough uh, to get in front of the TV. But you want to be close to the TV. Happy days. We've got cabled pads, haven't we? Because yeah, it's PS2. Exactly. And... Nice. Uh, the Dynasty Warriors intro music, which is was my gateway to listening to the entire soundtrack, uh-huh. because I listened to it six times drunk last night. Whilst <laughs> Ollie, because I now live with Ollie. This is uh, I've known Ollie since uh, I was six. Uh, so twenty years later, I now live with this same person. And I came in drunk last night and was like, oh, "We gotta listen to this." <laughs> so, we listened, so we listened to the Dynasty Warriors intro, uh, and then I played sound clips of how bad the voice acting was mm-hmm. from the third game. Um, because that series is the most mindless and beautiful activity so, in games. This is what I want to know. It's I, actual therapy for me. That's great. I played it, and oh God, God knows which one I played. I think mm. it would have been PS2. Or, no, it was because I had a illegal PS2 and yep. got it illegally. <laughs> but uh, I'm fascinated by the fact that this, to me, what seemed kind of not great, average, call it yes, action game, very much so, um, has developed this rabid fan base. Yeah. Now you're here, and I can ask you everything. Why? Okay. Well, so like. I think the easiest, the like, the most base level satisfaction I have with it is that it is an incredibly simple set of action commands. It's always square, 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 triangle. Or I wonder if square, it, square, 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 triangle. This is my shut up and sit down side coming in, but is yeah. it worth explaining Dynasty Warriors if people don't know what? Yeah, Dynasty so Warriors Dynasty is. Warriors is a game in which you you fight lots and lots of things. Uh, you're a powerful person. Generally, though, it's strange in the fact that you, it's not just a combat game. It's not just about killing people. It's you have this map and you have this. It's like a heat map almost of what's going on. Yeah, you're, you're trying. To, you're fighting huge battles. It's kind of a simple RTS played from the perspective of one soldier who's just better than everyone yeah. else. That's You're exactly Tanya it. in Red Alert. Yes. That's who you are at all times. It's no a very mild strategy. You, you need to be able to look at the map and understand by looking at that map what is going to happen in the next five minutes and then you have to decide where you're going to go and unless you understand that unless you have a feel for the game it's actually quite hard and frustrating because mm. you're you're there doing really well in battle and, it says, and then it goes you've lost. you've lost and you go what yeah uh, but then once you actually get a feel for it it's kind of it's kind of pleasing because all you need to do is look at the map and then you feel clever by being like oh well I go here but then it has this thing if you go there you fight for a few minutes and then you hop on your horse and you go somewhere else mm. and you fight somewhere else yeah and- it's just colouring in but there's a bit of push nice. your luck to it there's a bit of push your luck to it of being like if I stay here and push forward a bit more then this will be in a really good position. Mm. But in that time, something else might fall. But the, which is like the ah. cleverness of Omega Force, who are the the group of harried developers behind it. Before sorry, we, just, sorry, I hate to interrupt. That's before we right. go more into uh, mechanics, I do want to mm. add this is all wrapped up in uh, the most inaccessible theme of feudal China. Yeah. And so, and it's based on a novel, so it's not even telling the history of feudal China. It's telling uh, who is considered China's Shakespeare's version of the set of wars between three kingdoms, the right. romance of the three kingdoms. So, so many named characters, so many were, named yeah. characters who have one syllable, which you, so it's Lu Bu, it's it's other names. Yeah. Also, also, the beauty of the older games is that because localization was such a shitty, no one care, cares about it job, um, they pronounce. All the names wrong until I think <laughs> Dynasty Warriors five or six. Louis Boo, wasn't it? Well, so like Lou Boo, they always got right because that's quite easy. But then yeah. there's there's a guy called Juzu, 
and everyone calls him Zuzu all the time, so which just makes no sense because it's two different sets of Zuzu like the singer. Yeah, like yeah. Um, or like there's a guy called Cao Cao, but it's C A O C A O, so they call him Cow Cow. Ah, oh, that was in the just, game I played. Yeah, definitely. I remember that. So like Cow Cow is one of the the most pivotal figures in feudal China, and they're pronouncing his name wrong in a game that's based on a novel about it, which is just like beyond astounding. I love it so much. Um, <laughs> And um, yeah, just everything, like particularly uh, Dynasty Warriors 3 is the one that I pumped most of my time into as a kid. And uh, it is addictive. I got into three. Well, and, and again, this is this is the beauty of it. What I was what I was going to say is that their cleverness is always giving you one more thing. So you might easily use up a character within two battles. But by I think the latest game. When you say use up. Just know everything they can possibly okay. do. Every combo you can finish in a battle, you can see every one of their special moves. It's just done. But, but I think Dynasty Warriors 8, and it's not been that much of a change since <laughs> Dynasty Warriors 3, had 89 characters. Yeah. So there's always something more. And then they do stuff in, maybe not in 3, but in later games, they started introducing hypothetical campaigns. So you would, if you triggered certain... Mm. Uh, win conditions it would then create a separate campaign for your character being successful when they shouldn't like when they died in real life they just carry Ah. on living and live out a different life where they won every battle and so they start telling different stories based on who you're playing as so it becomes this incredibly sort of like rich weird seam of just go here and do this thing in this time and you'll see some more stuff. And so it just pushes you down little paths constantly. And they keep you enticed in this constant stream of killing endless endless hordes of enemies by having the combo meter. And at first it's yeah. like it's really hard to keep combos going because you don't understand the systems. But once you understand the frankly very, very simple systems, yeah. you just start to get like combos of 300 just because yeah. you're like, you're before, whilst you, rather than just swinging your sword through this like mass of troops, you're actually being like, you're trying to ration them in a way mm. that so that when you kill the last of this group, you're in a position that's close to the next group, so you can yep. carry on your combo. And it just Pavlov dogs you into it yeah. constantly because it go you you it has a not just a combo, but it has the amount of people you have KO'd, which is mercilessly <laughs> slaughtered these poor conscripted peasants, but you've KO'd them, so it's fine. And you know, you're always aiming for the next hundred because every hundred you get uh, another general on your army goes, you are truly the greatest warrior in the three kingdoms. <laughs> and then, but then, and that will happen every hundred, but then you'll hit a thousand and it'll be like your boss being like, you are my favorite. <laughs> and, then, and so you get this and you just get this beautiful, like, I'm doing well, constantly, constantly pushing you to be... Just like, people telling you you're great. Yeah. yeah. It's... Ab- it's Pure positive feedback it me in of game form. Fable and wandering into a town and having fourteen different regional accents. Yeah, go, oh, you're a great. Oh, horror. It's, it's I guess it, yeah, it is. But it's the difference in the fable was finite, whereas these things are just endless. I mean, for me, it's not like <laughs> the reason I never got into Dynasty Warriors really was because I had Fantasy Star Online, which, which yeah. for me, it's the same thing of just being like, I want to do something forever, mm. <laughs> and I want it to be really I... easy but really satisfying, and just keep giving me new carrots on the sticks. Mm. And, uh, oh, sorry, Karen. No, no, I didn't even start, man. I, <laughs> I have nothing to add to this conversation. I've never had an MMO which has pulled me through it forever. Mm. The games I've played for ages have been multiplayer games that I've been playing with my friends yeah. in the community. Well, that's, again, the best thing is that, you know, half of my experience with Dynasty Wars has been spent with friends, like mm. my friend Ollie, who, where we just go, all right, should we just play this battle but try and complete it as quickly as possible as two characters? Split screen. Yeah. And so we just did that. 
for the actual years of my life, <laughs> I've done this stuff. I would say, actually, um, even though, like, obviously, uh, Dynasty Warriors has become a kind of butt of, the, butt of jokes for years and mm. years and years, and despite the fact that I've played them and love them, I still use it as a butt of the joke because it's funny. Yeah. But there are actually some new stuff which is actually a really good way of getting a feel for it, like the the Zelda-style... Hyrule Warriors. Hyrule Warriors. Uh, it suffers some kind of really annoying, uh, pr- like, running problems on the Wii U. It's just like, it doesn't... Yeah, as long as you don't play in split-screen, it's pretty good. Yeah, split-screen split is screen is where yeah. it's at right no, I, agree. I want to play these games with a friend it's yeah. kind of mindless they're fun. bringing out on 3DS so I think local multiplayer on that could be really Ooh, great that's nice on yeah. 3DS that would be lovely and that's even... got female link in it for the first time ever officially oh, yeah. sanctioned female link which is cool nice um yeah, and Dragon Quest Heroes yeah. is apparently great, which I've not played. That's like on PS4 and stuff. And actually, I really like Dragon Quest Monsters. Uh, they're kind of fun and oh, stupid. Yeah. So I think that that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. But no, especially with newer hardware, it's just lovely to actually see them like reaching their potential. Because obviously, the funny thing about these things is that the ambition of being like, well, you're this one guy and you've got hundreds of people. Yeah. Well, how do you do that? It's like, well, obviously, we only show about 20 at once. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and there's like really thick fog everywhere. Yeah, it's uh, pretty foggy, China, man. And it's like, <laughs> I, I don't know what's going on. There. I love it. Now and it's like someone it's like someone's tapped them on the shoulder and say, like, you know, we've been doing this for like ten years, but now we can actually show like a hundred men yeah. on screen and well, you can hit them all at once. It's actually sixteen years, and I can tell you it's that exactly because <laughs> hilarious. Omega Force are famous for being slightly shonky, as you may have gathered from this conversation. And uh, last year was Dynasty Warriors technical fifteenth anniversary, because what we call Dynasty Warriors has only been a series in Japan since our version of Dynasty Warriors 2. Sure. I don't know why. Um, the first one was a fighting game or something. And uh, what they did was last year they were like, we've got a big 15th year announcement for you. It's been delayed into its 16th year, which oh, I think is so wonderful. Really? Yeah, it's like, it's the... I, I almost find that more charming. I'm just like, I'm, I, I'm happy to wait, guys. And it's brilliant that your legacy of being slightly shit on normal things, like timekeeping, is just still on point. Wow. So, yeah. Talking of a slightly shit, I've actually been just made a video uh, which went up uh, this week. So it's last week's video on the site on coolghosts.net. Check it out, obviously. It's a pretty mm, cool site. It's literally our website. Uh, <laughs> it, I made a video about Dragon's Dogma, the best game ever. Mm. Also a game which is slightly shit. Yeah, but it is the best um, game But ever. it's also the best game ever. It's, you know, you got to mm. just learn to reconcile with these things. But yeah, I've been playing that a bunch more, obviously, to make that video. And it's just, it's really funny how, like, going back into it, I've not got a tolerance, I'll be honest, a lot of time for, for playing games I've already played mm. unless it's something like XCOM where I'll just happily bash my head against that same beautiful wall again and again forever but with this I was like oh, I can't be asked. Like, I want to make a video about this but I can't be asked playing it again because I've, I've played it I've had a great time but I'm done mm. but I got back into it in a way even though it was rubbish uh, <laughs> even though lots of things were really frustrating it's just such a, a lovely compelling world and it, it made me realize what the what the heart of dragon's dogma was in a way that it, it messes up so much but it really manages to convey that that very traditional western sense of fantasy adventure of mm. you being thrown out into this world and you're rubbish and the world is brown and gray and boring and terrifying and at terrifying night. at night and you know you any cave you enter or any forest you enter when you're not sure of the time of day and you think mm. it might be getting dark is possibly suicide oh it's like a it's like a fairy tale it's if you ever leave the path you're given you're dead you're yeah. absolutely dead <laughs> yeah like but I, there I, will be a chimera I would, waiting for I you I would love to bottle what makes Dragon Dog Dragon's Dog would do that mm. the uh, the fact that in the very first town it's like oh 
oh yeah, there's a sort of sewer cave thing you can go in. Oh, yeah. And in Dragon's Dogma, you're like, oh, no, I don't want to. Absolutely not. Uh, yeah, and, <laughs> or even the first sort of fort you get to where it's like, oh, we're under attack by a huge cyclops. You're the hero. Go out there and deal with it. Mm. And your first impulse is, no. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Definitely not. I just got killed by a goblin. <laughs> yeah. Like, but, the, yeah. but rather than, for example, in Bethesda games where it's just the... F- what does a death mean? It means you respawn. Mm. Whereas in Dragon's Dogma, I mean, is it as simple as the fact that saves are further apart? I think yeah. it's... There's that, a real tension to uh, it. Well, no, it's also saves are further apart and fast travel's impossible. Like, right. it's such a shit to try and fast travel <laughs> in that yeah, they, game. They fix that a lot in the... Yeah, you've got the port crystals the new expansion. But, uh, yeah, no, I think it's also... I think a lot of it comes down to... It does manage to convey this this sense of, of fear in the fact that you usually in a game what would happen is, you know, you'd... You would uh, enter a cave and you'd walk in and then a monster would be within range and it's noticed you and then suddenly all of your characters get their swords out mm. and it changes the music and some new UI pops up to let you know that you are in combat. Whereas what happens in Dragon's Dogma is your animation remains exactly the same. <laughs> the music maybe slightly changes but doesn't heat up immediately and out of nowhere an arrow knocks you to the floor and you've lost <laughs> half your health. <laughs> and there's something in the dark which has got you and it's a game of shadows and I love the fact even when you've got a lantern you know you have to Oh yeah, it's like it's two meters of light. That's it. You don't get <laughs> a any. slight amount of light, so you can see what's directly in front of you. But also, it does that thing that light does in real life. Or when you've got a bright light, it kind of obscures your vision slightly. Mm. I mean, like you have this weird glowing haze around you, so you actually like you can see what's around you really well. But anything further away than that, you can actually see less. Yeah. <laughs> and it means you often just when you're having fights at night, you don't even know how many things you're fighting. Mm. And people complain about things like the lack of lock on, but in a way I kind of attribute this in the same way that people when people complain about Resident Evil's tank controls, that it's kind of missing the point. Mm. Because if you had a lock on system, you'd be able to go ding 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 and know what you were up against, yeah. how many things. Whereas in this you're just like there are goblins, but I don't know how... Is it yeah, two? How many? Six? All you can see is you can hear them cackling and go, stupid human! And you can see the arrows coming at you. Mm. And um, It's weird that Minecraft was able to produce uh, a yeah. sense of getting lost in darkness, yep. which other games can't, purely because it had a world you could get lost in. There was no gatekeeping. and mm. Everyone has that amazing experience of getting lost in Minecraft. And then digging a hole in the floor and, and hiding going, in it till oh, morning. please, sun, come back. Yeah, yeah, which is which is fascinating. But uh, no, I grew up with a guy who uh, sort of taught me a lot of what I know about games. Uh, and he was always talking about light and how no game does it right. And when it does, it's such a treat. Yeah, of, you know, it, yeah like you say, obscuring your vision of light being scary, of, of darkness being dark. And uh, it's so sad that we have monitors where, you know, gamma hacking is a thing. Mm. I can't see anything. Hmm. It's probably my monitor yeah. rather than an deliberate intent. Well, I'll just I, I actually replayed um, the first, I don't know, quarter to a half of um, Fear, that first-person mm. shooter that oh, is yeah. fucking brilliant to so this day. Good. So good. Um, and that does a similar thing with, like, where it... You have a torch, like you had in Halo and all the games at that time. You always had a dark section where you had a torch. But it gives you, like, this pinprick of light, and it's it's like a joke on your <laughs> on you. It's just like, oh, great, what, what do I need this for? And then you'll see, like, a it was obsessed with its own physics engine, so, like, a box would fall off because a ghost was there, and you'd just freak <laughs> out because you'd been concentrating on how shit the light was. Oh, it's just wonderful. And then it would do the horror thing of being like, oh, it's scary now, so your torch doesn't work. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because that's how uh, scary science does mm-hmm. work. 
But no, I, 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 it's kind of, I might have mentioned this on a podcast before, and excuse me if I have, but uh, I find it amusing that when I first made videos about Dragon's Dogma, because the videos I made kind of like, as I talked about in the, the video I did called Ghost this week, kind of kicked off Dragon's Dogma um, in a way. Like the videos I made, I was making on the worst television in the world. Was, oh, yeah. Do I remember, you remember that, that video. Yeah, because you. TV, I remember that TV. The TV, yeah, that's what, that's what I'm going to say. Because um, obviously Joe works in the same office as me afterwards, and there was a TV which I had on my desk, which was my kind of gaming TV for the 360 because back then HD actually was often quite shit and it didn't matter if you had a terrible TV but my god this TV was (laughs) possibly the worst piece of shit I've ever used in my life but it meant I basically made these videos talking about how like oh my god this game like when it's dark at night and you're walking through the woods you can't see anything it's just pitch black mostly it was that TV (laughs) I have said this before but I kind of felt really guilty about that because it was like I kind of pitched this game as being a game where like at night you literally couldn't see anything and nobody complained to me afterwards nobody said oh man you said that but actually you can see some stuff but I couldn't Um, and I realised that not only that but the brightness settings and gamer settings were quite low Uh, so yeah it was kind of embarrassing but I still it's been nice playing it back on on PC and realising that actually no yeah it is really dark and I'm actually it's kind of to put my boring technical hat on for a moment I'm really excited about Dragon's Dogma on PC because um, it's a game where like one of the things that's so strong about it is the lighting engine is just so solid and so cool um, and it's probably only been surpassed recently by Metal Gear Solid 5 in terms mm. of like actually having a, like, a sun that goes up and cast shadows that move and cast shadows uh, that MGS affect 5, the game. MGS5 when you run out of a building and then you just can't see yeah. in such a wonderful satisfying way and then you hear bullets and you're like this is the worst. You see it's not up there but maybe with mods it could be I don't know but all I know is that often the thing that mods fix fastest is crap textures mm. and like crap edges and like you know what Dragon's Dogma has got them in abundance <laughs> and I know that it's like it's got a lovely lighting engine and I know that's the thing that you can't really change so I'm really looking forward to seeing like just how cool they're going to make the world look well it depends how available the game is to modding right like- well it seems to be like I don't know basic stuff we'll have to see but I think the Dragon's Dogma is one of those weird things it's like a cult hit that enough people really care about mm. so we'll have to see but I'm excited to see if some people do some cool modding stuff but as it is yeah, if you're interested in RPGs and combat RPGs it ends up being really repetitive and it is a lot of it is just going around killing the same things again and again with the same skills but the combat is lovely and it does something and, and the specialisation is like from an you know if you're an RPG fan like making those subclasses oh, yeah. in that game is so cool well what I was going to say is what I love about it is that it doesn't like you know you play a fucking new RPG now within five minutes it's giving you an awesome fireball spell Dragon's Dogma does not do that oh. it has you walking around like a like a peon with nothing with a crap rusty sword and rubbish skills mm. but you put the time in and then you're like when you're doing like these cool skills my god like the, suddenly you're calling down meteors from space and like the, gigantic the, fucking the sorcerer's oh, bolide spell remains my favourite spell in all games because what you are doing is wrenching an asteroid from space <laughs> and breaking it on enemies heads with no aiming you just have to hope it lands where you want it to because you're not quite powerful enough to <laughs> aim it at someone yeah. you just call it to your location it's brilliant it like d- that's so I mean cool. I, as I said in the, the video I think the thing that I love the most is it is very it's a game which makes magic feel like magic yep and it is just like 
has this wonderful thing of actually being really inventive as well. Like it's annoying at first because the initial classes, the kind of the upgrades you get are all quite dull, but it's because it's saving the best. And it means you get to these subclasses, these leveled up things and you unlock something and you go, Oh my God, does this let me do this? And you go, oh, and you just get these wonderful experiences. <laughs> and there's actually a thing which from the original video, because it wasn't just my videos, it was the footage within it that, that kicked off Dragon's Dogma more than anything. There was a video which, which uh, a GIF that got pulled from it, which really just went nuts on the internet. And that kind of, that was what, really got people excited was one of the magic archer things where you can just mm. fire this arrow and stick it to a tree in a woods and it just creates this huge beacon of light in this game of darkness you suddenly gain the power to basically fire a thing which just fires out this incredible light that just bursts out and casts these beautiful shadows and these beautiful bright light in a game that's so dark and the first time you get that and you use it it's just like Wow. You know yeah. what would be great wow. if uh, modders do get their hands on Dragon's Dogma is my problem with modding is always that, you know, you, you've got your copy of whatever Fallout game and you put a mod in and then you can... I'm I'm always looking for where the mods begin. Like, the, mm. the tone's a bit off, the writing story, because it hasn't gone through the same quality controls as yep. other content in the game. So a mod stands out well, to Well, Dragon's Dogma didn't have much quality control. That's what I'm so. saying! I think yeah. modding in Dragon's Dogma would be great because you have no idea what's a mod mm. and what's just <laughs> shonky development. <laughs> Yeah, so it works. would be immersive. Oh, man, imagine, imagine if they fill the city with actual characters and shops mm. and humans and leave, stop it from being this weird carcass but, of a place. See, in a way, that would ruin yeah, I the know. ending. I know it would. I know it would. And the ending, which is the best ending in video games. And you know, I'd be really like, it's been lovely reading. Uh, it's one of these unique cases where there have been lots of people writing about the piece of oh, yeah, of Dragon's yeah. Dogma. And you know when they haven't finished it. And of course you do, but also, why would they? It's a yeah, re-release, and all they're doing is basically going, is this fun? Does it look good? Is it a good PC game? And it's amazing to just look at all of these criticisms Enough, and you just think you haven't finished it, and that, yeah. and I don't see that even as a criticism. I don't go, you haven't finished it, so you don't have the right to say it. No, it is it's very much Dragon Dogma's fault because it is this thing of being like you kind of think, yeah, if you finish it though, you'd look at this differently. Yeah, so do I've said this many times, but if you do pick it up, persevere. It's a pain in the dick. It gets quite repetitive, but soldier on, finish it. It will be worth your while if you want to finish it. Finish it, yeah. Because when you get to the end, it's not there. <laughs> you not have the to end. start the game again. If anything, for it to I give you the last third of the game. <laughs> if anything, ignore the expansion stuff. Ignore. Bitter oh yeah, yeah. No, don't Isle. go to Bitter Black Isle because that will just make the game longer, and you don't want that. You just want to do it, finish it, because that ending, Jesus. Actually, uh, Jesus. It's worth talking about that DLC is one of the most weirdly transparent cases of developers being influenced by other games after their game yeah, came out. Yeah. Because it is them trying to do Dark Souls so badly. Really? Yeah. It's really interesting because it's... Uh, it, it, it's Firstly, it looks like Dark Souls, the area, which the rest of the game doesn't. And it presents itself as like, oh, this is your toughest test. You've got to fight everything that can kill you. But it's just shit. It's <laughs> Because Dragon's Dogma's combat system, as we've been talking about, does not suit sort of parry repost you know like it doesn't it, it's not designed for you to play well it's designed for you to fuck up and muddle your way through and so this whole section is just horrible like really bad it's a very different approach isn't it because i think yeah. with dark souls it's very much like this is going badly but you are here like dark souls is, is very much defined by that fucking misty white wall that's just appeared behind you of being like you've made your choice yeah and now you're going to See how that pans out. Yeah. Whereas Dragon's Dogma is very much about fuck, running away, running away. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm out. <laughs> I had to tweet Andy Kelly today because yesterday he was like, "Oh, I've, I found your porn jumbles." 
So if you want to play the game, search for Jumbles, find Jumbles. Mm. She's tall, she's magnificent, she's brilliant. Uh, gender switch to time, she's brilliant. She's like a, the lady from fucking uh, Game of Thrones. She's awesome. Anyway, he was like, oh yeah, I've took on an adventure, brilliant. And then I was like, oh cool. And I looked and I was like, oh, this is a pawn who's my friend. It's got a little symbol. I'm like, oh, I must be Andy Kelly's because no one else is playing. It's not out mm. yet. So I took his pawn on the adventure went really badly and had a fight where everyone was dying and I just had to run and I, I tweeted him and said oh, I'm, I'm really sorry man I, I literally I left your, your pawn for dead um, I, and he was yeah. like what oh it's, man it's just uh, occurred to me that we haven't talked about Dragon's Dogma's most unique system which the is pawns. the pawn system yeah it's very strange they all yeah. talk like uh, mad demented toddlers like pointing out everything they see and going wolves pa- wolves hunt in packs you, sire yeah. you, you create an NPC <laughs> cam- companion who has no soul. Yeah, you get to choose exactly what they look like. Just so you do with your character. Yeah. Exactly the same. But they have no soul and they have no agency. And it's kind of a very... Well, it becomes a bigger part of the story, but it's kind of alluded to. Um, but it's really weird because it's like, in a way, I saw somebody... Uh, I think it may have been Jack from from Crows, Crows, Crows tweeting about this, about how it's lovely, this thing of the fact that like they behave really weirdly and they're constantly just pointing out things to you and, and pointing out information they feel might be useful. And, and as he said, it's like... This thing of being like, actually, that's weirdly, like, probably what you would do if you were a creature with no volition or no soul, but just there to serve your master. Even if it's annoying sometimes, you just mm. serve there's a tool. Yeah. So they don't, they don't behave like people. They behave like tools. They smash up boxes and look for loot, and they tell you about when, what goblins are weak I can't to. even remember <laughs> in the story what they, how they appear. Are you given one? It just comes to you. That's it. You're like given an adult who's never existed before. (laughs) Like, see, it's running around with a child. Like, it's a it's a baby in a really strong or magically powerful person's body. Basically, you're telling me that Dragon's Dogma is the Last Guardian. Yeah, it's better. (laughs) It's better than what the Last Guardian will be. Oh man, I've got to bet on with my girlfriend that Mm. the Last Guardian will be good. Interesting. Which side are you on? Uh, I think it will be good. Okay. We all, the more serious bet, which is for far more money, is that VR will be commercially viable, I think, within five years. Ooh. As in, like, it will be commercially viable and in plenty of homes yeah. in five years. Five years ago is a long time, man. Five years ago was like the end of the 360, Xbox 365 side. Yeah, but the problem is VR is so front-loaded front by porn, isn't it? That if it is in homes, it'll be hidden in cupboards. Oh, my God. Did you read PC Gamer's article about... Um, all the porn on the porn games on Oculus, and it was like reviewing them. Uh, I, think oh, was, this, I think that yeah, was Andy Kelly. Yeah, 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 it was Andy that Kelly. That was great. Uh, God, people should definitely Google Andy Kelly Oculus porn <laughs> and just have the best. Time. Careful, there's a yeah, lot there's... of really hardcore Andy Kelly Don't porn click on the, the Oculus. images. Tab. <laughs> Shall we? It's a bad joke. Do some questions. Yeah, let's do some questions. Let's. So uh, Patrick Cotter asks, "What is the funniest video game you've ever played, and what is the game that tried hardest Wait. to be funny?" Oh, should we ask? Should we describe how these questions get asked? Yes, we should. Uh, these questions appear on a page. I have to turn around and not throw the microphone. So I have to, to, Matt, you do it's it. fine. It's uh, yeah. It's I've got good eyes. It's coolghost.net. Sorry, that's mean. I didn't mean it like that. No, I'm basically blind. I have got exceptionally good long sight. You've seen me spotting buttons. You're also before, very right? tall and sexy. Thank you. Have you got anything nice to say about me? Absolutely not. No. Okay, fine. Uh, it's coolghost.net forward slash daft hyphen souls. That's a bad way to get to it. Just go to coolghost.net and there's a button that says daft souls and there's a big button. I made it really big. It's massive. There's 
that says uh, ask, <laughs> ask us questions, then you can go to a thread of questions, right? And the great thing about this is you don't even need to ask us a question because we a- we answer the top voted questions. So if you're the sort of person who really just doesn't care but you want a good podcast, you can go to the page and just upvote the questions you think are interesting and then you can have your own little say without having to say a bloody thing. What a great system. It's good, right? It took me like literally a year of doing this podcast to work out. <laughs> so Patrick Cotter wants to know what's the funniest game we've ever played? I think, right, it's Portal 2. Yes, that's a oh, but that's a good answer, but it's a boring answer. I know it Wheatley's is. Wheatley's so shit. <laughs> I, don't I think quite so. liked Wheatley, even though I don't like really like Stephen Merchant. I like him and I hate that character, wow. so let's we're like weird twins. be together. <laughs> if I have to pick one moment of like pure laughing joy that has come from a video game that isn't just shit physics simulations like Sumatori... Then it's Valkyria Chronicles. I was playing it. In, really? Li- wait for it. I was playing it in Edinburgh with my friend, and we got it early, so it was way more exciting than just mm. like, oh, here's a weird job. We used to import stuff from Hong Kong because it was the fastest way to get English language stuff, and uh, we got it, and we were so excited, and we didn't really know what to expect. Valkyria Chronicles being this bizarre pseudo, but not at all World War Two uh, squad based game that's mostly inspired by anime, but with Nazis. Um, and it had this thing where it had an amazing system of characters and they could die with permadeath kind of like Fire Emblem but in World War 2 but the first time you unlock your squad and it goes okay you're a captain now here are all your soldiers and it just dumps you in a menu and then you're finding out who those soldiers are me and my friend who again had no idea what to expect laughed harder than I think I have ever laughed at a game because we're going through the system being like oh look at this guy and then it's you're kind of given the dregs of the army is the plot of Valkyria Chronicles you're given the worst soldiers who couldn't appear anywhere else so it's like ah here's Christ his name's Tarquin and he's a a chubby kid with glasses and you go well maybe he's okay and the first trait that he's got is allergic to metal (laughs) which is and then you know we're laughing and reading but that's a real thing in the game that you have to consider he can't stand near the tank or he breaks out in hives and can't aim right (laughs) that but you get to go through everyone and they're all shit I I did that it's a cool sniper she's very chatty she can't sit near another chatty person. And you're just playing blind date, but with murderers, and it's beautiful. That's cool. I was very happy. Um, and I mean, like, is it fair to say that multiplayer games are always funnier anyway? Yes. Because you're doing it with people? So, like, maybe Gang Beasts, because it's designed to be funny as well as being a multiplayer game where you play with people. I've only played over. Gang Beasts once, and I... Uh, I was very drunk mm. and we were doing it after a live episode of Regular Features in Logs Pub in Nottingham. So I was playing with other people, with lots of other people in the room and I was smashed, but I was also immediately quite good at it. Mm. And I just proceeded to, to swing and throw everybody else out of the arena whilst constantly laughing loudly like, <laughs> yeah. God. And I had a great time. I, yeah. I think it's brilliant I would jokes. take just a straight up good multiplayer game and I think that would make me laugh as much as Gang Beat like uh, hmm. Samurai Gun or Towerfall oh god yeah Towerfall Towerfall we is we used to disturb the, the four of us used to play in the office and at every lunchtime and <laughs> everyone else hated us like we had complaints from other magazines <laughs> <laughs> yeah good. a lot of the fucking mags in future they were miserable bastards well, I remember yeah. that when I was there it was, but it was different then because it was different <laughs> office set up so we, I can say that <laughs> it doesn't get you in any trouble. But no, um, I think it's thing of like it's the funniest game. But I just think really I've answered that as what's the best comedy game. And I think that I think the Portal Two is because it does that wonderful thing that comedy does of making you laugh, but then also like 
sort of swinging between actually having moments of genuine darkness, which only opens you up to the comedy. I think mm. it was just a construction. I think lots of games you play are funny, but I think to have a really good appreciation of, of what makes things really funny, you've got to be able to fuck with people as well. And yes. have those moments where you're like, ha you're laughing, you're laughing. Here's something incredibly dark. And then make you go, oh, and then being like, here's something funny. And then you go, ah, because they've, they've like it's broken your shell. It's the, it's the comic relief effect. You know, mm. you do it on purpose. It's a psychological effect. Well, Undertale has a bunch of that, right? The uh, moments of sadness followed by joy and flipping back and forth like a mad coin Uh, Ross asks still Matt this is a question for you Matt you ready he's answered this one himself but let's do it that was mastermind I didn't know are you still planning on going into XCOM 2 as blind as possible and he's answered this Ross has answered this with you could have just said no Matt you didn't need to make a whole video so yes I was planning to go into XCOM 2 as blind as possible but then I badgered 2k and they gave me access to the game and um, I made a video about it, which is basically explaining all the reasons why it's really good. And you should watch that if you're interested in XCOM 2, because, man, that game is really good. Um, God, yes, I really want to play it. And I, I can tell it's really good, because, you know, I was saying earlier how I don't replay games. Mm. I had a heartbreaking moment when I got to the end of the bloody XCOM 2 thing. Oh, yeah, you are talking about suddenly how popped the up going, ends. Thank you for playing the XCOM 2 preview. And then it just took me back to the middle, the, the entry screen. And I should have expected that because that's what bloody preview code does. But it broke my heart and I spent about an hour walking around the flat just feeling lost and forlorn and not knowing what the fuck to do because in my head I'd treated myself by being like, you know what, Matt? You can make the video tomorrow, but today... You can play XCOM all day. After spending all of 2015 banging on about how awesome early access games are, I've now I'm now suffering the the forlorn loss of of that uh, policy because now I've got all these early access games that are kind of just about to come out, and I'm waiting and I'm impatient. And then when they do come out, I'll play them, but I won't finish them because I've already played them to death. And I'll never ever get the full experience no I know what you mean but it's better that than that getting too far into an access game and realising you've entered the unfinished zone and it's suddenly just become rather than just ending and being like you're done now it goes this is just rubbish now isn't it <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah I don't know it's it's, it's great but I, I, despite that I went back and I, I started another and I, I never do this because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pragmatist at heart and I never do this sort of thing but I've gone back and started new games and started new Iron Man games knowing full well that like even if I do really well even if it goes really well there will be a point where the game will end and it will not be satisfying and I think really that's a testament to just how strong this game is I would never do that I would always just go no don't be stupid why would you put another 10 hours into a game and a set of characters that you you physically cannot carry on with. Like it is. It's a bit like how uh, we're all going to die, isn't it? Precisely. Yes. So thanks for listening to Daft Souls, everybody. Uh, if you've uh, enjoyed this episode, what what do they do, Matt? Well, they can go to iTunes and uh, go Daft Souls, and they can give it a review, or they can just click the five star button. It's annoying. No one likes iTunes, but if you've got the time and the decency, just do it. It makes us happy. Or you can just go to coolghost.net and you can look at all the amazing videos and stuff we do. It's very similar to the podcast, except you have to look at visual images whilst listening to our voices. It's a bit of a drag. Um, or if you really, really love the podcast, then you can go to, uh, well, you can go to patreon.com forward slash coolghost and you might consider giving us like a, a couple of quid a month or a quid a month just because you like the podcast on its own. I don't know. We are currently making a uh, living uh, just about from people throwing us just a pound or two every month and uh, and partaking in the community and enjoying live hangouts and just funding great ad-free work that we can get to share with the world and improve everybody so really if you support us on Patreon you're putting a smile on the faces of all sorts of people what you're saying is cool ghosts improves everybody literally 
Almost. No, I mean, it does. Cool. And I would say, if you're not 100% convinced, do go and look at the website, look at the comments, look at the small community of positive, fun, interesting people we've got there, and maybe you'll suddenly go, hot damn, this is actually a thing. <laughs> this is worth I supporting. Be supporting this. <laughs> uh, Joe, where can they go to get more Joe? Uh, I've got a podcast, podcast called <laughs> Chat Very Good. And uh, also I do work for Official Xbox Magazine and GamesRadar.com. Which of those do you work more for? GamesRadar.com. So, but if I buy a copy of Official Xbox, how much Joe is in there? (sighs) I'd say a feature plus uh, three to four pages extra. Doesn't sound worth it. No, but I'm in the front of the magazine, so there's a picture of me every month. What have you written written recently? It's really good. The the best thing I've done recently was the Assassin's Creed plot generator. That's brilliant. I wanted to talk to you about that. (laughs) We'll just have to talk to you about that. But but just Google that, right? Yes, yeah, that's all it is. Assassin's Creed plot generator. It's fantastic. I actually barely even toyed around with it. I just saw all these amazing things being tweeted (laughs) and thought, that is not... Just like that is not a combination of things being thrown together in a wacky, funny way. That is a combination of great little bits of writing toy together. Joe is awesome. That's very kind. Thank you. It's a screen plot generator, everybody. It's good Look fun. Thank you very much. Thank you. We'll see you next week. Love you. Bye. Bye.